these last few weeks, handing these cards to people. And it happened this week. I had, there was a bunch of people from D.C. who wanted to come up for today's sermon. Um, and they read that first, then February 8th, getting good sex from the Bible, getting more than offered from sex in the city. And, and just loving, I love watching reactions from people. One of our, one of our ladies and a good friend uh, looked at that and went, I, I just handed it to him back when I first had the, several weeks ago, I first had the, before it became a card. And they just read that and they went, you know, kind of shook their head a few times like, what is that all about? You know, um, this is so important. And yet it is one of those areas, it's a classic example that I'm going to put it this way, uh, about what we're about here at Renaissance. Because it's exploring and experiencing authentic faith in the real world. This is the real world, what you just saw. You know that. You don't need me to tell you that. We had a halftime show last week. I had that plan just so I could kind of introduce this whole thing. <laughs> you know? And, and um, we had... Um, it was, uh-oh. That's a, <laughs> Anyway, there you go. Um, that's all you're going to get of that, okay? I mean, we've seen that clip so many times this week. You know, the ridiculous thing about that is that I um, I was there. We had like 50 people at the, in, the, in the church conference room watching the football game. And, of course, the only ones really up front were the kids. And and uh, I was watching and didn't even know what happened. You know, I didn't know until... Somebody came and told me, did you see that? And I was like, uh, you know, I thought it was a crappy halftime show, but I mean, but I didn't notice anything else. So anyway, it shows you where I'm coming from. Um, this is real. And it's something that needs to be dealt with. And it's something that, that the church, Big C, has only dealt with in a condemning way for probably, well, for 2,000 years. And it's about, you know, this is one of, one of my, as you know, one of my burdens, one of my things that drive me is for people to understand this book, the Bible, in a way that you can understand it and in a way that is practical, in a way that relates to our life, because I believe that's why it was given to us. Um, So, you know, is this really necessary? You know, it's been long too ignored. Some people, I've talked about sex before in some other places and so forth in churches, and, and you know, I've had people at different times say, particularly people who've you know, sort of experienced church people say to me, you know, you think that was really appropriate to talk about? And I'm like, you know, let me, and, and back, in, you know, I've always had a little bit of New Jersey in me, so I could get as obnoxious as anybody. And I, and I would just say, you, I, I would just say things like, you know, what are you watching on TV? You know, you watch stuff on TV and you're concerned about me giving the positive view of what this thing's all about from the Bible? So I, I feel pretty passionate about this. I started to call this this whole series or this whole two week thing. I'll tell you about it next week in a minute. Um, can we get that off there? Um, the, <laughs> the, the 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 little picture there of the uh, of the of the couple. I can. Do. I started to call this little thing lessons on sex from a 32 year veteran. But my wife said, "No, nah, that probably wouldn't work." <laughs> so my censor kind of xed that one for me. But I thought I'd squeeze it in there anyway. Um, this is applicable to all. One of the jobs that I have as a pastor is. You know, some of you, this is going to be very relevant to. Uh, some of you aren't. Some of you aren't married, don't have any prospects for getting married, and we're going to talk about that. Um, and some of you are, are past that and so forth. And You know what? It is applicable to everybody because we all need to know truth. We need to know truth. And there's not a person alive, let alone in here, 
that doesn't have to deal with others, whether it be children or, or relatives or neighbors or people you work with, that have some kind of issues from time to time, and probably more than that, on this whole sexual stuff. So we're going to talk about that, and this morning what I want to do, I'm just going to give you a, a, a big overview from Scripture uh, as to the, the positive side, the positive teaching that is here, and then next week, and I'll explain more of this in a moment, we're going to talk about some hurdles that can happen, and we're going to talk more about that in, in the life of particularly married people, but again, if you're not married, it's some stuff you need to hear, because if you're not, maybe it can help you uh, for later on when you are. So i got three thoughts, just three thoughts I want to go through, then we're going to draw some conclusions to that, and then I'll give you some things to take out of here with you, all right? And we'll have this for you up here on PowerPoint, so you'll see most of this. Um, three things I want you to see. The first thing, just three thoughts. First, first thought is this. Sex is good. No, it's great, okay? Just thought I'd throw that in for you. I want to take you to a couple of passages of Scripture and just get you to kind of think with me here. First one is Proverbs chapter 5. We'll have it here for you on the screen. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated, some Bibles read, intoxicated by her love. Pretty blunt stuff there, huh? Solomon, we know what kind of guy he was. Um, Pretty good. Now let me show you New Testament, Hebrews chapter 13. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Makes it real clear for us there. We're going to talk about fornication and, and adultery and what that means in just a moment. You had a pretty good idea anyway, I think. But here's what I want you to see very briefly on this point before I go to the second thought. And that is... Sex was designed for intimacy. It was designed by God, it was created by God, and it was designed for intimacy. And I want to, I got a newsflash for you. It is not the only form of intimacy between a man and a woman. It is one. Unfortunately, in this world in which we live, I don't want to talk about the woes of the world, but it's not really anything new. We have sort of relegated sex to some sort of activity, some sort of just, just, a, just an activity. And, and we, we have sex therapists, and I'm not necessarily saying that that's always bad, but when we relegate the, the act of making love into something that is just an act, we lose so much of what God designed it to be. Because intimacy is, many, is, is many-fold. Intimacy also involves what we would call emotional intimacy. That would be those heart-to-heart talks that need to take place between two people who are sharing their life together. That would mean also physical intimacy. Here's another newsflash for you guys. Physical intimacy has to do with non-sexual touching. I know that's an oxymoron, isn't it? Uh, but, but it's really not. Some might think that it is. But that's just affection. Okay? And then, of course, there's spiritual intimacy. And that's where we pursue our relationship with God together with this mate, with this best friend, with this person who I'm sharing my life. See, all these things come together. When we start separating those things, we really have ultimate dysfunctionality. We really have that. If you, you, You can't separate those things. When you do, you come with all kinds of, I'll use the word in its proper context, all kinds of perversions. 
like that if you don't have those things together. And we've just taken one aspect in our society, and it's not really that new, it's not just this society that has done that. Throughout really history, we've seen tendencies to do that. So, sex is good. No, it's great because God created it. He created his intimacy as part of this whole picture of intimacy. Now, I want to show you the second thought. And just blow through these quick. This is where we're going to run into a few problems with some. Sex was designed for married people to express intimate, lifelong love. I just want to show you what the Bible says. It's not my opinion. Um, It's just what the Bible says. You're familiar with this one. One of the Ten Commandments. Do not commit adultery. Let me just help you understand. You know, say, well, I know what adultery is. You know, some people like to make a difference between fornication and adultery. It's pretty much the same thing. Adultery is, any, is having sex with somebody that's not your, not your wife or husband. So you say, well, yeah, but no, it is. So you can say, well, yeah, but they're not married and I'm not married. Well, is that your wife or husband? See, that's what adultery is. It's not just, well, if that person's married or I'm married. That's, not, that's wrong. Obviously, that's wrong. But it's, it, it goes deeper than that. Adultery is... Sexual relationships with someone who is not your mate, your, your husband or your wife. Very simple, right? God tells us that. Let me show you another one um, from 1 Corinthians. Interesting. Now I say this to those who aren't married. This is a great passage here in 1 Corinthians 7. I say to this, those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. We'll come back to that. Verse 9, but if you can't control, if they can't control themselves, What's he talking about here? You tell me. If they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. Duh. What do you think he's talking about? Well, he's not talking about, you know, having a shower. Okay? Um, Nothing wrong with bridal shower. Let me make that clear. Um, Wow, you got to be so careful with this stuff. Um, Here, here, what I want you to see in this verse or these verses would be if God thought it was okay outside of marriage, why would he say, well, look, if you can't control yourselves, get married. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. By the way, observation, this is why as a pastor and as a father, I I don't like long engagements. You're asking for trouble. If two people love, I don't care how much they love God. If they love God and they love each other, certain things are going to happen. That's why I say, you know, how, let, let's deal with this. And, um, you know, these, you, know you, you can think about that, and I'm not saying it's sinful or it's wrong, but just, just think about that when those, those close to you start talking about it. I'm not suggesting we all have shotgun marriages either, so that's not the point. But it's interesting. Now, what about verse 8 where he says, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. Some people take that, and I've known people take, to take that over the years to say, that there's some sort of a second-class citizenry that is given to those of us who need to be married. And that's not what he's saying at all. The Apostle Paul had the gift of singleness. It's called the gift of celibacy. And, and, and what he's saying is, if you, don't, if you don't need to be married, that's great. You know, that's better in many ways. But if you do, it's better for you to get married. I remember one time I was teaching a, a, a junior high Bible study, and I was talking about this a little bit, and some kid, some young guy... <laughs> about 14 or 15 going through you know just the whole 14 or 15 year old thing and he came up to me afterwards and he said do you think i have that and i said i think you have what that 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 celibacy thing do you think i have that i don't want that (laughs) 
He was so worried. And I said, trust me, you ain't got it if you're feeling that way, buddy. So, but there are some people who do. And you know what? That's terrific. God bless you because we need people like that in the world. And you may be like that. Don't feel second class. Don't feel like you're, you know, some kind of a weird thing. That's, that's a gift from God and, and, and enjoy that. But those of you who don't, don't try to be that way. That's, that would be also the wrong thing. Sex was designed for married people to express intimate, lifelong love. Now, we're going to come back to this because I know some of you, I, I don't know everybody here, but I know some of you don't agree with that. And uh, you say, well, under certain conditions, it's okay. We're going to come back to that. By the way, one of the reasons that it's good to kind of do what we're doing on Sunday night is because what is our authority? Our authority is the Bible, and the Bible is pretty, pretty clear on this. So we're going to come back to that. Hang on to that thought. Third thing is this. Sexual, sexual sin has serious, serious repercussions. I want to take you to, these are, there's a lot here, and I want to go through these real quick because I want you to get these, but I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. But I want you to get, I want you to get the points. First one comes from, um, I think, Proverbs. Is that right? Yeah. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray, this is Solomon, never stray from what I'm about to say. Run from her. He's talking about a, a woman who is a promiscuous, um, um, he uses the, the term as, as, as a harlot, is the term that he uses in some Bibles before this. So he's talking about a promiscuous woman. He's talking to men, probably because men need this more than women, but there are some women who need it too, so you can't get too uh, sexist about it. But he says, run from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you'll lose your honor and hand over to merciless people everything you have ever achieved in life. There are some guys who can, who can attest to that. Strangers will obtain your wealth and, and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Afterward, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You might even get a disease. Uh, verse 12, And you will say how I hated discipline. If only I had not demanded my own way. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to those who gave me instruction? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. You can think of people maybe in your life who can attest to that. Look what he says later on, same, same chapter of Proverbs. Drink water, a little allegory here. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in public having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Don't share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe. This is what we read earlier. A graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Sexual sin has serious ramifications and, 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 and repercussions. It might have physical effects. We know that. The Bible tells us that. Whether that be disease, which of course now we, we see that with all sorts of different sexually transmitted diseases. And that's, that's one of the, you know, is that always going to happen? No. But sometimes it does. Um, it can have financial effects. He tells us that earlier in chapter 5. It can, it can cost us money. Lots of examples of that in the news. And it's, you don't have to be a celebrity for it to cost you money. Some of you maybe know people or maybe even have experienced some of that. Um, 
it not may, it does definitely have emotional and physical effects upon us. Because you're giving a part of yourself. You can condition yourself for a little while and, and you can kind of harden your heart and you can kind of you know, try to put this in the back. It has certain emotional and psychological effects that cannot be escaped because God made us that way. We live in a world that tries to, to hide and cover up. But it can have effects. Some of you know what I mean by that. If you've ever been involved in any kind of sexual sin later, uh, maybe right afterwards, maybe a lot later, now, it doesn't mean we're going to talk about what if you have been involved in this. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But there are definitely emotional and physical effects. Um, no question that it has spiritual effects. And that's obviously just because God tells us not to. Now, three things there, three thoughts there. Sex is great. Sex was designed for married people to express intimate, lifelong love. Sexual sin has serious repercussions. Now, I want to give you... Um, Four or five thoughts, kind of wrapping all these things together to get you to think with me in this area um, a little deeper. Number one, in the Bible, the negative is usually followed by a positive, or it might be the other way around. In other words, most of us, and I'll speak for myself, I won't say most of us, those of us who have been raised in a church or religious type of setting, as I have been, heard for generations and for years and years and years... Um, those of us who've been a part of that, why, you know, don't, you shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that, man, don't be messing around, man, before you get married, you know, that whole thing. You know, what they don't tell you too many times is the positive side. God says, hey, this is something I created, it's wonderful, it's great, here are some, here are some guidelines. It's going to help you to enjoy it more. If you step outside of those guidelines, there'll still be some pleasure, there'll still be some fun, but there are also a lot of consequences that I don't want you to have to deal with. That's God. You know, so there's always the negative, but there's a positive. We've emphasized the negative instead of the positive, and that that really that really torques me. I don't mind telling you, that just that really torques me a lot because God meant this to be a positive thing. Now that's that's one thing. Second thing is this: What if my experience was one of being immoral but not world crashing? You say, okay, I see what you're saying. I accept what the Bible says. I did not do that. And my world didn't come crashing down. I'm still okay and I'm married now. And my wife and I and my husband and I, we do really well together and, and everything's great. So what do you got to say to that? Thank God for his grace. Okay? It doesn't happen to everybody. But, it's, but it, the chance is there. And I want to be careful what I pass on to the next generation and what I tell them. And if I have made a mistake, I want to tell them, yeah, you know what? Here's what you need to know. I didn't practice this. And I paid the price for it from the time, a few times. But I don't want you to have to go through that. So just because your experience is one thing doesn't mean, well, gee, we're okay. Because they may not be as fortunate as you. So don't, you can't, you, you, know, one of the, you can't go by your experience. Because everybody's experience is different. We have to have some sort of eternal truth to put our, you know, to, to nail this thing down. And that's why we have the Bible. Because this is the best way. Have I always followed it in every area? No. But every time I haven't, I will tell you now, I wish I had. Because whatever the price happened to be, it wasn't fun. Whether we're talking about sex or whether we're talking about lying or whether we're talking about something else. 
What about this one? This is something I, I had a good talk with a good friend of mine, but I've had this discussion. This is not this is not new. Sexual compatibility, inevitably, when you talk about this, it's kind of. I really hadn't heard too much about this until the last fifteen years. People say, "Well, you know, we got to know if we're sexually compatible." And here's my response to that. You know what? If you're on the same wavelength spiritually and emotionally and physically, don't worry about the sex. It'll take care of itself. Now. Does that mean that there won't be struggles from time to time? Oh, of course there will be. Does that mean that women don't have babies and they have different kind of God knows what, some kind of hormonal changes and all kinds of things that I still don't understand at 53 years of age? They have those, you know. I've learned you don't say, get over it, come on. You you don't say that kind of thing. You learn from your mistakes, don't you? What is wrong? Why are you crying? I don't know why I'm crying. You know, I'm just going to pick on the women because I'm a guy, all right? I, I have this favorite saying I love to do with pre- women who are pregnant. I always, this is, I just love doing this because I get a good, good, interesting response. You know, a woman that's pregnant. Yeah, you know, it's pregnancy. That's overrated. You guys use a lot of stuff. You get a lot of stuff out of that pregnancy stuff. <laughs> I'm getting some head shakes right now. Anyway, <laughs> I know better than that. My point is this, in, in a serious note. People change, not just women. Men do too. Bodies change. Things sag that didn't used to sag. Things, you know, get a little, little flabby here and there. Different kinds of chemicals change inside of us, male and female. Uh, you turn 30, then you turn 40, then you turn 50. The, the whole sexual compatibility thing, what does that mean? Does that mean when we quit becoming sexually compatible, we go find someone who is? Well, some people think that's the case. But God says, i got a better way. It's called being together emotionally, spiritually, physically, and sexually. And you know what that takes? That takes communication. And that takes, and I'm going to say, this is going to sound like it should come from a preacher, but I'm going to say it even though I don't like to think of myself in that way. Sometimes it means we pray together. And ask God to help us. In my case, it's usually asking God to help me to keep from being selfish. You know? And we, have, we, we work through it that way. The sexual compatibility thing, you know, everybody's compatible at one point in time. Any, any, any stranger. But true lovers learn to love for a lifetime. Not just for the moment. So, so be careful with that one. Are you going to be sexually compatible? You're going to be sexually compatible. Might there be struggles? There are for everybody if you're together long enough. Another little thought here. This is protective. I've said this, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that this is protective. God gives us this to protect us. He's not trying to condemn anything. He says, here is something that's a wonderful gift, but, but so you don't get hurt, and so your heart doesn't get broken, and so you don't physically get messed up, here's some guidelines. Follow these guidelines, and you're going to love this. You ignore these guidelines, and you're going to have some trouble. And you're going to have some emotional issues to deal with. And many of us have had to deal with that. By God's grace, we can. And, 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 and he does. And, you know, one of the things that happened, you know, particularly, and I'm a, a bit of a student of church history, the Victorian, Victorian era of our of church history and even in our country. For a long time, the church taught. I had an interesting discussion with a good friend this week. 
uh, for really a couple of days because we stayed with them uh, on Thursday and Friday. And we talked about how some of the misinterpretations of the Christian faith have caused some of the greatest um, heartache in the world. And we talked, for instance, anti-Semitism really had its roots in the Middle Ages. I hate to say it, but among Christians. It's a horrible thing, and it's a terrible thing. And how they ever came to that, I don't know, but they did. And, then, and it was a wrong interpretation of Scripture. And a horrible, another thing, slavery came about because of a misinterpretation of Scripture. That's why it's important to know what's, what's true and what's not true. Well, sex is also one of those things that has been totally messed up over the, over the centuries because of a misinterpretation of the church. And we went through that Victorian era where sex was only for the purpose, and there are still a few, not many, uh, a few people who still hang on to this, but sex was only for the purpose of procreation, only for the purpose of having, of having children and any other thing, and which is just, that is just, that is just a lie from the pit of hell. But you, you, you don't have to read very far. I mean, you read about Abraham sporting with his wife. What do you think he's talking about there? You know, uh, if you go back into Genesis, um, that was the King James word, sporting. I still kind of like that word. But anyway, um, <laughs> hey, honey, let's go sport together here a little bit. Um, anyway, um, but it's a misinterpretation of the Bible. I mean, just, just total perversions of what's here, that these things get all messed up. And this is another example. And it's been, it's, as a result, it's come about as this condemning thing. And I don't think it should be taught that way. It should be taught, this is a great thing. Young people, this is a wonderful thing. When you find the man or the woman that God has for you, that's terrific. You get married, you commit your life to each other, you commit your life before God, and you say, hey, this is terrific. Let's get out of here, you know? The heck with these three-hour receptions. Um, and, and that's the issue, you know? And, and, and that's, so, so deal with that. It's protective. It's not condemning. God's way is better. I believe that. I've seen that. In some cases, I've experienced it on the positive side. In some cases, throughout life, I've experienced it on the negative side, on, on, on all the spectrum of God's teachings, where, where we listen to what God says, and it, it's, it's whatever it is, not just sex, but everything is better when we listen to what God says. Last little thought that I want to give you here is this. What if I've screwed this up? All right, pun intended. What if I've really messed this up? You know, what if, I, what if I'm, you know, you, you're right, okay, I accept it, I see the Bible. You know what, I want you to know, by God's grace, right here, right now, you, it's a new day. And God forgives, he forgives every kind of sin. And, and you, can, you, can, you can just say, you know what, Lord, I, I have messed this up. And before my wife and I, or my husband and I got married, we really, you know what, thank God for his forgiveness and, and, and teach the right way. Um. What if I'm in that situation right now? Well, let's start over right now. And you know what? For some of for some, I've done this before. I've made this comment. For some, that may mean maybe you need to get married now. I can do that, by the way. <laughs> Real quick. I used to tell a, a couple that's been dating a long time and, and are engaged and they're going to get married and they've got their wedding and, you know, put off for another six months or something. I've gone up to the guy a few times and said, you know, I could be the cause for giving you a wonderful night tonight. If you just want to come see me with your wife afterwards, we can just do this whole thing right here, okay? And uh, I'm careful where I say that. I don't want to say that among friends. But um, for some of you, it may need, maybe you need to get married. Great, get married. I, I don't do it lightly. I mean, assuming that you've prayed about it, assuming that you know this is God's person for you, assuming those things. 
You know, why put it off? Do it. For some of you, it's a matter of just saying, God, I, I need your forgiveness. And you know what? He'll be there with you right then. And he'll forgive. I want to keep people from that as much as I can for the young people here, here. Because that way, if I can keep you from that, it will keep you from, it will keep you from so much pain. I mean, just so much, so much, so much heartache. And that's, and I, I, and you know what? If you don't, I'll be there for you and I'll love you and I'll, I'll, I'll help you through it. But I, I hope you don't have to go through that. I've known too many people who have. And oh, gosh. It just, it just tears your guts out. It really does. Why? Because God says, this is the best way. And God's way is always better. I want to give you four takeaway thoughts and we're out of here. And I know I'm a little over time, but, you know, when you get me talking about sex, I could be here all day. Um, takeaway thoughts, some thoughts to take home with you. By the way, before I give those, part of that whole sexual compatibility thing, part of that whole protective thing, and what if I mess this up? Next week, I'm going to spend the, the entire message talking about hurdles to a healthy sex life. And I'm going to really address that more toward, again, I want everybody to be here, but, but more toward married couples. Because there are a lot of hurdles today. And, and it could be argued, I'm not sure that I believe this, but it could be argued that it might be more difficult in this age uh, that we live in with just so, so, so saturated by sexuality. You can't even watch a stinking football game. That's what really ticks me off, by the way. You can't even watch a football game without, which, you know, without having some of this stuff hit you between the eyes and all the other stuff. And I'm, I was, I would, one of the guys I talked with this week was uh, vice president of, uh, of the NFL alumni group. And he was livid, just livid, as, as to what the NFL allowed to happen last week because it took away from what he thought was, well, which is true, just a great football game. So, but we're, we're in that kind of a culture. And we, we can preach against that all we want, doesn't do any good. So let's, let's look at some hurdles and how we can deal with them. So next week we're going to talk more about that. And, uh, and I, I got some good stuff that I think will help in that area. And if, if you're not married, it'll still be good because it will be sort of preemptive for you to think about in the years and so forth to come. But here's some things to take away with you. Number one, have a healthy view of this God-ordained wonder called sex. Have a healthy view of it. You know, don't get your views of it and your opinions of it from sex in the city, whatever you think of that. I mean... Don't get your views from television. Don't get your views from friends. God's got all you need to know. I'm going to show you a couple things. I'm going to go into it in great detail in public. I'm going to show you a couple things that, that, that God talks about in the Bible that are just whew, some pretty hot stuff. Uh, Song of Solomon and so forth. Have a healthy view of this God-ordained wonder called sex. Second thing that I want you to see. Know that God is... Pl- I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't change the wording on this. I'm sorry. God... No, God is pleased for a married couple to have fulfilling sex. I don't know. Steve added that other part. Um, <laughs> he didn't. I, got, I just sort of wrote, I did these notes for him like a week ago, so I, I meant to clean that up a little bit. I was. I was looking for a three-letter three adjective, and it just kind of came out. Anyway, God is pleased, pleased for a married couple to have fantastic sex. God, know that. I have had the opportunity and privilege to tell a few young couples that say, this is, this is terrific. This is what God is honored by a healthy sex life. And I've, I have had some of the most uh, astounding looks like, oh, really? Yeah. 
He is. Between a husband and a wife. That's why He designed it. Third thing, recognize God's principles are for our benefit. Um, and let, you know, let people see that example in you. Maybe it's, maybe you've been one of those fortunate people that were able, were able to reserve everything in terms of your virginity and everything else until you were married. That's terrific. You know what? Let people know, you know, God, God is just, it's just terrific. Maybe, maybe you didn't have that opportunity. Maybe, maybe you messed up. Let people know that, you know what, God can work in our lives and in our hearts through forgiveness and, and rebuilding and, and so forth. And, and it doesn't mean that one mistake ruins my life forever. It could certainly have some severe consequences. But, um, but, but think it through that. God's principles are for our benefit. It's not to put us in slavery. It's not to keep us from having fun. It's to keep us from danger. It's to keep us from hurt. It's to keep us from heartache. That's what it's for. One other thought that I want you to sort of take away type of thought that I want you to think about. Um, God deeply cares. This is, this is the message that I will say all the time. God deeply cares about the whole person. He cares about every... There's, there's nothing to be ignored in the life of the child of God. He cares about every aspect of your life. And, and, and one, of the, one of the big dangers and one of the big... I think lies that we believe is we sort of separate these things. Well, this is that part of my life, and this is that part. Not, not, not when you understand God. He cares about the whole person. He wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to, he wants you to, have, he wants you to have joy. He wants you to, to be the person that he created you to be with all your unique gifting and talents. And he wants you to enjoy everything that he has given you to enjoy, including a sexual relationship with a person who you are committed to for the rest of your life. That's what he, that's what he wants. God, can, God cares about the whole person. And we need to thank him for that. And we need to listen to him and follow that. So, positive teaching on this subject. Positive understanding of what this is all about. Thank God for that. This is not ignored. This is not something we have to leave for television or, new, or the movies. But it's what God has for us. And we'll talk more about that as he gets into some of the details of our, of our life next time. But for, tonight, for today, just leave with these thoughts. Have a healthy view. Know God is pleased for a married couple, a husband and wife, to live like this. Recognize God's principles are for our benefit. And recognize that God cares about all of you. All, everything about your life he cares about. And gives us guidance to live by it. Let's pray together. Lord, these are, these are so important truths to, to understand, particularly when we're bombarded with messages from, from other places and from other people, whether it be philosophers or whether it be just the, the, the society in which we live in. God, help us to understand. Help us to grasp these truths and allow them to enter into our hearts. Not, not in a condemning way, but in a way that you have created this thing called sex or making love in a way that will be fulfilling, in a way that will be uh, something enjoyed by a, by a husband and by a wife all of their lives together, that they're married for the rest of their lives, from a young age to an old age. We thank you for the positive instruction that is there for us in the Bible. Lord, there's, I can't deal with the subject without recognizing there are some here 
who are thinking about the past and probably have some regrets or probably have some questions. And Lord, I pray that first and foremost, um, on those regrets, that people would come to you and just say, Lord Jesus, I need forgiveness. You know this has happened or that has happened. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was in the 1980s or the 70s. Don't know. But Lord, I want to I seek your forgiveness. And in doing so, thank you for the forgiveness that you readily provide. And from this day forward, from this day forward, I want to live my life in this way to please you. And that can only come, that can only happen as I come to Christ and say, Lord Jesus, right here, right now, never really said this before, never really done this before, but I want to trust you. I believe you died, went to the grave and rose again to give me new life. And I want to just put my trust in you right here, right now and accept the forgiveness that you have for me. There are some of us, Lord, who have trusted you and that have failed maybe in this area, maybe in other areas. We want to thank you for your forgiveness and we want, to, we want to seek a renewed spirit to live this day forward as people who seek to honor you with how they live in every area, every area of their lives. And we thank you and we thank you for the redemptive, the, the redemptive story that you can put in every one of our lives through, through Christ and a relationship with our Lord God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We commit these things to you, each one. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray.